Bread and water is what we need and what we have in Jesus Christ. He said, come to me and drink. He said, I am the bread of life. Welcome, and thank you for joining us here for the Bread of Life, a listener-supported program of the International Mission, Church Partnership Evangelism. To learn more, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Our Christian faith rests in this most basic thing, Christ is all. Let's learn from Him. Let's learn about Him. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hugan. In Isaiah 6, the prophet records what may be considered as his personal testimony of salvation. Isaiah was given a vision of the Holy God, and with that vision he gained a true sight of himself. He saw nothing but sin and judgment, and he cried out in confession. And to that confession of his sin, God responded, bringing to him cleansing and forgiveness from the altar of sacrifice. On that altar, the blood of the Lamb had paid for his sins. And that Lamb, folks, was the Lord Jesus. And from that time on, Isaiah's message to the nation of Israel was developed. It had two parts to it. First, God is holy. Come and face up to him. And second, God is a Redeemer who will make clean all those who confess and repent before him. By the way, I don't know if we went into this last week very much, but it's important for us to understand what redemption means for a moment. It's a word that's repeated oftentimes in Scripture. It basically means deliverance from sin, or it can mean freedom from captivity or slavery, or it can mean the reclaiming into fruitfulness of something that was barren, land that was forsaken and barren being brought into fruitfulness. It has a coming out idea and it has a going in idea to it. It's the idea of coming out of judgment, coming out of hopelessness, coming out of a forsaken and barren place, coming then into promise, coming into life, coming into relationship, coming into fruitfulness and plenty. That's what redemption is. Here were the people of Israel who had been slaves and they're redeemed to inherit a land that God gives them. And here's Isaiah, the very moment that he thinks that everything is collapsing around him and he's lost, that he discovers he's actually being found. God is finding him out for a reason so that God might find him and save him and deliver him. The holiness of God reveals to us our sins as we have God revealed to us. But the same holiness that exposes our sin is the very holiness that God gives to those who confess him. We've said this before. The only thing that can exist in fire is fire itself. And so what God does when we confess and believe in Him is God covers us in His own holiness. God fills us with His own holy life. God makes us holy, extending to us something that is not naturally within us, but something that is imparted from Himself, His own, the fire of His own life, so that we might be with Him and enjoy His presence. And so they're covered in holiness and brought into life in Him, and life begins. Another thing that we noted last week in our message is that an encounter with God and His holiness, that encounter that produced fear and and that encounter which produced a confession and that brought to Isaiah redemption then made him a messenger of that redemption to others. But as he brought that message of redemption to others, they didn't listen. They wouldn't listen. You know why? He couldn't begin with a message of redemption. He began with a message of holiness and of judgment and of sin. He called them to come before a holy God and encounter themselves and recognize their sin before them and they didn't want to face it. They didn't want to see God in that way and so they kept refusing the message and turning from the message and so the Lord actually prophesied to Isaiah 
that his experience is going to be that he's going to be speaking to people and the essence of his message is be seeing and not perceiving, be hearing and not understanding until your eyes are dull and blind, until your ears are filled up, until your heart is hard. How long do I have to do that, Lord? You keep doing it. You keep exposing them to the message of my holiness. You explain to them that the only way they'll come into my redemption and salvation is when they face up to me and confess their sins. And if they won't look to me and they won't turn to me and they won't allow themselves to be devastated before my holy presence, I'll keep wearing them down. I'll bring them into judgment until their land is forsaken, until they're burned down to a stump. And then out of the stump... I'll find a holy seed of responsiveness that will return to me and come to me and there my work of redemption will begin in their lives. And the stump will be the holy seed. I said there's something encouraging about this. Isaiah, no matter how resistant they are and how people turn away from you and don't listen to you, you keep being faithful to me and you keep producing and proclaiming this message of my holiness and the salvation that comes when men will turn and look to a holy God. And it's only then that they can receive my redemption. You keep preaching it and proclaiming it. And Isaiah, they're not going to listen. But understand something. I'm going to work away at this until I isolate that seed and that responsive in that place. I bring that point of abject humiliation where they respond to me. I know what Isaiah was feeling. I think Isaiah was saying, oh, why will you not listen? Why do I have to endure this position where I have to keep speaking God's truth and at the same time watch God will you down to nothing because you won't respond? How hard it was on Isaiah. You know how long Isaiah did that till? He did it until one day they put him in a stump and they cut him in two. That's how Isaiah died. It's at least what tradition teaches us. God was willing down to stump. They thought they'd return the favor to God's messenger. But God had a promise to Isaiah, in the stump will be a holy seed. I'll wear them down, but at some point in time, to those I've chosen, my message will get through. It's very encouraging. At the same time, what a burden. What a burden to continue to be faithful and preach. How could Isaiah keep doing it? Because Isaiah saw that he was the same as they, apart from the redeeming work of God. Isaiah had seen the holy God and he couldn't deny him. And he had to go and proclaim him to others. And Isaiah had experienced before that holy God is he'd been found out and yet he'd been found. He'd revealed his sinfulness, but he also found a savior in that moment who would cover him and cleanse him and wash him. And Isaiah was bound to share that message to others, whether they received it or not. This last week I had the opportunity to visit with an individual. And in the course of the conversation, we were talking and he basically revealed to me, I shared the gospel with him in a very brief, like, 60-second statement to him, and he paused and said, listen, I, for the last 20 years, I've basically been wandering my entire life. I've been traveling. I haven't really had a city that I call my own city. I've just moved around and done contractors work all over the country because 20 years ago, I had a wife and a daughter, and they were killed by a drunk driver. People tell me that, you know, God wasn't it. It wasn't God's fault, but I, I can't let it go. And I've just been restless and unsettled for these last 20 years. I think what triggered him was I told him that God was pursuing him because God had a home that he wanted to bring him to and a place that God wanted to bring him to rest. And the Spirit of God used that statement to trigger these words from him. So it began a conversation with him. Long and short of the conversation was I, I pointed out to him that God is sovereign and we don't understand all that God is doing, but God knows more than us and God is in control of all things. God is working all things and you cannot... Because you don't understand what God's doing, invert yourself and say, and make your judgments on God. 
You can't invert and say, you know, uh, God, uh, you're the one who made me and gave me this instinct for justice, and now I'm going to use it against you because you don't seem very just. You're all wise, and you're able to critically analyze and see all things, and you've given something of that ability to me to see how things are playing out, and I'm going to turn it over and say, you know what? I don't think you're doing things right. Do you know as much as God knows? No, you don't. God knows more than you know. God's in control. God's watching over things. I can't explain to you what was happening and what God was doing, but I know this. God is seeking you, and I'll tell you something else. His name was Danny. Danny, if God's chosen you, and you keep wandering and turning from him and bringing your accusations against him instead of understanding that he's a holy God who has an accusation against you because you're sinful. If you keep wandering from him, I'll tell you what, you're going to be restless and you're going to be... Whittled. I told him my sermon that I preached. I said, let me tell you an outline. I gave him my sermon outline. The last point is, if you don't face the holiness of God, God will whittle you down to a stump until you respond to him. Danny, if you don't respond to him, you're just going to be restless the rest of your life. And God is going to whittle you down to a stump until you turn to him. And he began to weep. I don't know if I'll ever see Danny again because it was kind of like an um, accidental meeting that we had with one another at a gas station. He had to go on his way and he got in his truck, prayed for him, and I gave him my phone number. I said, you call me. Today I want to add just a little bit to what we've said, and I just want to say that I'm going through this topic quite slowly because I don't want anybody to miss the progress of this truth. I want us to see how that facing the holiness of God brings us to a fearful confession. Out of that confession comes a wonderful redemption and deliverance, that this very attribute that seems to separate us and judge us and consume us is also inviting us and coming to save us and renew us. And that what God has remaining for us if we'll turn to Him and see Him in this way is rejoicing and praise. The very thing that, the very attribute that we're trying to avoid oftentimes because it would overwhelm us and destroy us is that part of God that God is opening up before us so that He would open up to us a way of life and a way of rejoicing and a way of overabundant beaming life. That's what I want us to see. I'm aware of a, a pastor, there's a book I read some years ago in which he preached the same message something like five or ten times in his church, the same exact message. And finally, the, when are you going to stop preaching the message? Because, well, I'm going to stop it when I think that you've understood it and you're ready to obey it. Why go on beyond this point? And sometimes you come to these points and you realize they're so foundational. They're so central to the starting point and the only safe point from which do we navigate our lives. You should never, in a sense, roam in your Christian life beyond your knowledge of the holiness of God and your awareness of His presence. And when you come upon something like this, you're afraid to go off the subject. Well, we talked about the holiness of God last week. This week, let's talk about how to manage our you know, finances. Let's listen to this. Let's respond to this. The holiness of God presents this fearful expression of His judgment, and at the same time, the holiness of God comes and it opens up the way of salvation and opens up this praise that we can't describe. Exodus 15 is the passage I gave you. In Exodus chapter 15, the people are rejoicing over the salvation that they've realized because God has taken them out of bondage in Egypt and taken them through the Red Sea. But there at the Red Sea, the Jews are fleeing slavery from Egypt and God reveals His holiness as a cyclone of fire. You remember? And it comes down between the Jews who are fleeing the Egyptians and the advancing Egyptian army. And there in that place, both the Jews and the Egyptians alike meet 
an expression of the holiness of God before the Red Sea. In that place, the holiness of God falls upon the Egyptians as judgment and destruction. And it comes to the Jews as freedom from slavery at the same time. It turns out a path through the Red Sea through which the Jews flee and move forward into freedom. And at the same time, the Egyptians misuse this path for their own purpose. And it becomes a place of destruction for them. In the same event, at the same moment, the waters are parted for the Israelites. The waters caved in upon the Egyptians and destroy them. In Exodus chapter 15, we have shared with us the song of victory that is taught to the Jews after their deliverance from the Red Sea by the holy fire of God. And here's what's left over after they've experienced the holiness of God. It says there's glory for them. They speak of God's gloriousness in holiness, that God is glorious in holiness. In Exodus 15, 11, there's praises. They say that he is fearful and praises doing wonders. There's a home with God. You have guided them in your strength and to your holy habitation. You've guided us to your holy habitation. I'm glad you've listened in today to the Bread of Life. We're introducing this radio ministry differently now. We're presenting it primarily as a listener-supported ministry of the International Outreach Church Partnership Evangelism. You can learn more about this ministry, which has expressions in well over 50 countries, by going to our local Missions Fellowship's website, breadoflifeboise.org or you can go to cpeonline.org. If you have enjoyed this program over the years, let me encourage you to consider donating to its ongoing broadcast. Your donations also will help us in the work of evangelism, discipleship, and church planting that we've been pursuing for the last 30 years. Now thanks for listening. Until our next time, may God bless you.